Section seven of The Passenger from Calais by Arthur Griffiths. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Irie. Chapter thirteen. My spirits rose with my release, but there was still more than freedom to encourage my light-heartedness. I heard now and definitely of my fugitive lady. Falon had come upon undoubted evidence that she had never left the great Jura Simplon station but had remained quietly out of sight in the ladies' waiting-room until the next train left for Geneva. This was at one thirty-five p.m., and she must have slipped away right under my eyes into the very train which had brought me back from Vevey. So near are the chances encountered in such a profession as ours. Fallon had only ascertained this positively on the second day of my detention, but with it the information that only two first-class tickets both for Geneva had been issued by that train— to make it all sure, he had taken the precautions to ask at all the stations along the line at which the train had stopped, seven in number, and had learned that no persons answering to my ladies had alighted at any of them. So my search was carried now to Geneva, and it might be possible to come upon my people there, although I was not over-sanguine. I knew something of the place. I had been there more than once— had stayed some time, and I knew too well that it is a city with many issues, many facilities for travelling, and, as they had so much reason for moving on rapidly, the chances were that they would have already escaped me. However, with Fallon I proceeded to Geneva without delay, and began a systematic search. We made exhaustive inquiries at the Cornevin station where we arrived from Lausanne, and heard something. The party had certainly been seen at this very station. Two ladies, one tall, the other short, with a baby. They had gone no further then. They had not returned to the station since. So far, so good. But there was a second station, the Guerre des Bolondes, at the opposite end of the city, from which ran the short line to Bouveret on the south shore of the lake, and I sent Follon there to inquire, giving him a rendezvous an hour later at the Café de la Coronne on the Croix du Lac. Meanwhile, I meant to take all the hotels in regular order, and began with those of the first class on the right bank, the Beau Rivage, the Russie de la Paix, National, de Berger, and the rest. As I drew blank everywhere, I proceeded to try the hotels on the left bank, and made for the Pont de Montblanc to cross the Rhone, pointing for the Metropole. Now my luck again greatly favoured me. Just as I put my foot upon the bridge, I saw a figure approaching me, coming from the opposite direction. I recognised it instantly. It was the lady herself. She must have seen me at the very same moment, for she halted dead with the abruptness of one faced with a sudden danger, an opened precipice, or a venomous snake underfoot. She looked hurriedly to right and left, as if seeking some loophole of escape." At that moment, one of the many electric trams that overspread Geneva with a network of lines came swinging down the Rue de Montblanc from the Cornevin station, and slackened speed at the end of the bridge. My lady made up her mind then and there, and as it passed she boarded it with one quick agile spring. With no less prompt decision I followed her, and we entered the car almost simultaneously. There were only two seats vacant, and, curiously enough, face to face. I took my place, not ill-pleased, for she had already seen me, and I was anxious to know how my sudden reappearance would affect her. It was clear she did not relish it, or she would not have turned tail at our unexpected meeting. I had not long to wait. 
she chose her line at once and without hesitation addressed me smiling and unabashed her self-possession i had almost said her effrontery took me quite aback surely i am not mistaken she began quite coolly have i not to thank you for your courtesy in the train a couple of days ago i stammered a halting affirmative i am afraid you must have thought me very rude i ran off without a word didn't i the truth was my child had been suddenly taken ill and the nurse had to leave the train hurriedly she had only just time to catch me and prevent me from going on i am sorry i should have liked to say good-bye make no apologies i beg i hastened to say courteously but in my heart i trembled what could this mean some fresh trick she was so desperately full of guile but i thought you were bound for the other end of the lake she continued do you make a long stay at geneva no do you i retorted probably i begin to like the place and i have found very comfortable quarters at the hotel cornevin near the station you may know it could this be really so her perfect frankness amazed me i could not credit it much less understand it there was surely some pitfall some trap concealed for my abounding credulity i also propose to stay some days but am not as yet established i made so bold as to suggest that i had a great mind to try her hotel cornevin why not she replied heartily the accommodation is good nice rooms civil people decent cuisine it might suit you she could not possibly have been more civil and gracious too civil by half a more cautious man might have told himself the tram-car by this time had run through the place moulard the allemand marche and was turning into the rue de la coterie pointing upward for the theatre and the promenade des bastions where was my involuntary companion bound she settled the question by getting out at the place neuve with a few parting words i have a call to make near here i had forgotten it perhaps i may hope to see you again do try the cornevin if so sans adieu was it good enough i could not allow her to slip through my fingers like this what if her whole story was untrue what if there were no hotel cornevin and no such guests there i could not afford to let her out of my sight and with one spring i also left the car and catching a last glimpse of her retreating skirts gave chase i cannot say whether she realized that i was following but she led me a pretty dance in and out and round and round by narrow streets and dark passages backwards and forwards as adroitly as any practised thief eluding the hot pursuit of the police at last she paused and looked back and thinking she had shaken me off for knowing the game well i had hastily effaced myself in a doorway plunged into the entrance of a small unpretending hotel in a quiet retired square the hotel pierre fatio certainly not the cornevin the door in which i had taken shelter was that of a dark third-rate cafe well suited to my purpose and well placed for i was in full view of the hotel pierre fatio which i was resolved to watch at least until my lady came out again as i slowly absorbed in absinthe revolving events past and to come i thought it would be well to draw Fallon to me it was past the hour of our meeting i scribbled three lines of a note and dispatched it to the cafe de la couronne by a messenger to whom i fully described my colleague's appearance 
desiring him to show the addressed envelope before delivery, but having no doubt that it would reach its destination. Presently Falon joined me, and, as my lady had yet made no sign, I bade him continue the watch, while I left the café openly and ostentatiously, so that it might be seen by any one curious to know that I had given up the game. Far from it. I designed only to try the Hotel Cornevin to ascertain the real fact, and if, as I shrewdly suspected, I had been fooled, to return forthwith and rejoin Fallon at the true point of interest, taking such further steps as might seem desirable. I was chiefly anxious to regain touch and combine forces with Falfani. There was no mistake, however, at the Cornevin Hotel. I had not been fooled. I was told directly, I asked at the bureau, that a Mrs. Blair, accompanied by her maid and child, was staying in the house. Could I see her? If monsieur would send up his card, it should be given her on her return. She was not at home at the moment. I knew that. Would monsieur call again? I was slow to congratulate myself on what seemed a point gained, for I had still my misgivings. But I would make the most of the chances that offered to my hand. I secured a room at the Cornevin Hotel, and bespoke another for Falfani, whom I should now summon at once. With this idea, I took the earliest opportunity of telegraphing to him as follows. Detained by unfortunate contretemps at Lausanne, happily surmounted. Clue lost and regained. Desire your cooperation. Come instantly. Hotel Cornevin. She is here. Ludovic. I noted the time of dispatch, 4.17 p.m. It would surely reach Falfani before the last train left Brieg coming my way, I hardly trusted myself to anticipate the comfort and relief his appearance would bring me. Combined, we could tie ourselves to our quarry and never let her out of sight until our principals could take over and settle the business. Then, hailing a cab, I drove to a point close by where I had left Fallon, and found the situation entirely unchanged. No one had come out of the Hotel Pierre Fatio. Mrs. Blair was paying a very long call, and I could not understand it. All the time I was haunted with a vague and ever-present idea that she meant to sell me. The more I tortured my brain to consider how, the less I was able to fathom her intentions. The time ran on, and I thought it would be prudent to return to my own hotel. Mrs. Blair might have given us the slip, might have left by some other issue, and I felt that my place was at the Cornevin, where at least I knew she was staying. Fallon should stand his ground where he was, but I fully impressed upon him the importance of the duty entrusted to him. I blessed my stars that I so decided. Mrs. Blair had not returned when the table de haute belle rang at the Cornevin, but I had hardly swallowed the first spoonful of soup when Fallon appeared hot and flurried with very startling news. "'Elle est suave! She is saving herself! She is running away!' he cried. Already her carriage enters the station. Without doubt she seeks the train for somewhere. I jumped up, rushed from the room, caught up my hat, and hurried across the square of Place Cornevin into the station. It was a clear case of bolt. There she was, ahead of me, quite unmistakable, walking quickly with her fine, upright figure clad in the same pearl-grey ulster she had worn in the tram-car. She passed through the open doors of the waiting-room onto the platform where the train was waiting with engine attached. The 7.35 for Coulouse and beyond by Ambrio to Paris, I was formed on inquiry. 
a double back i concluded on the spot she had had enough of it and was going home again in another minute or two she would have eluded me once more my only chance now lay in prompt action i too must travel by this train to secure a ticket and board it was soon done i chose a carriage at no great distance from that she had entered a through carriage to macon and which i was resolved to watch closely but yet i did not mean to show myself to its occupants if it could be helped as we were on the point of starting i scribbled a few lines on a leaf torn from my pocket-book to inform falfani of my hasty departure and the reason for it this i folded carefully and addressed to him entrusting it to fanon who was to seek out my colleague at the hotel cornevin after the arrival of the late train from brigue and deliver it at the same time i handed fanon a substantial fee but desired him to offer his services to falfani i saw no more of the lady she did not show at bellegarde when the french customs examination took place nor yet at coulon's and i believed she was now committed to the journey northward but as i was dozing in my place and the train slowed on entering embryo the guard whom i had suborned came to me with a hurried call monsieur monsieur you must be quick madame has descended and is just leaving the station no doubt for the hotel de france just opposite there she was indeed with all her belongings how well i knew them by this time the maid with her child in arms the porter with the light baggage i quickened my pace and entered the hotel almost simultaneously with her ranging up alongside i said not without exultation geneva was not so much to your taste then you have left rather abruptly to whom are you speaking sir she replied in a stiff strange voice assumed i felt sure for the occasion she was so closely veiled that i could not see her face but it was the same figure the same costume the same air lady blackadder that was mrs blair as she now chose to call herself i could have sworn to her among a thousand it won't do madam i insisted i'm not to be put off i know all about it and i've got you tight and i'm not going to leave go again no fear i meant to spend the night on guard watching and waiting till i was relieved by the arrival of the others to whom i telegraphed without delay chapter fourteen colonel ansley resumes i left my narrative at the moment when i had promised my help to the lady i found in such distress in the engadine express i promised it unconditionally and although there were circumstances in her case to engender suspicion i resolutely ignored them it was her secret and i was bound to respect it content to wait the explanation i felt sure she could make when so minded it was at dinner in the dining-car under the eyes of her persecutor that we arranged to give him the slip at basel it was cleverly accomplished i think here the colonel gives an account of all that happened between basel and brieg and as the incidents have been already described by falfani it is unnecessary to retell them except to note that ansley had quickly discovered the detective's escape outside goschenen and lost no time in giving chase as it may be supposed i rejoiced greatly on reaching brieg to find that falfani had been bitterly disappointed it was plain from the telegram that was handed to him on arrival and which so upset him that he suffered me to take it out of his hand and to read it for myself that a friend his colleague no doubt had been checked summarily at lausanne he said he had lost her the lady of course 
i was not altogether happy in my mind about her for when we had parted at brieg it had been settled that she should take the simplon route through this very place brieg at which i now found myself so unexpectedly and i ought to have come upon her or had news of her somewhere had her plans been carried out but she certainly had not reached brieg for with my ally lichelle we searched the town for news of her that night and again next morning the situation was embarrassing i could decide upon no clear course but that of holding on to falfani and clinging to him with the very skin of my teeth any light must come from or through him or at least by keeping him in full view i might prevent him from doing any more mischief one of us lichelle or myself continually watched him all that day the third of this curious imbroglio into which i was plunged at night i took the strong and unjustifiable measure of locking him into his room when he discovered it the next morning he was furious and came straight at me open-mouthed i'll appeal to the law i'll denounce you to the authorities i'll charge you with persecution and with false imprisonment you shall be arrested i'll be rid of you somehow you shall not stay here you shall leave brieg with all my heart when you do have i not told you that already where you go i go where you stay i stay but it is most monstrous and abominable i will not submit to it you have no sort of right to act in this way why is it you can guess my reasons surely only it is not for your beau you not because i like you i loathe and detest you you are a low slimy spy who richly deserves to be thrashed for bullying a lady i'll have you know sir that i am fully entitled to act as i am doing he said with a consequential air i am the representative of a court of law i have great people at my back people who will soon bring you to book wait a little we shall see you will sing a very poor song when you have to do with a nobleman the right honourable the earl of blackadder will arrive shortly i hope this very afternoon you can settle it with him ha how do you like that eh i laughed him to scorn pshaw man you're an ass i've told you before now what i think of lord blackadder and if it be necessary i'll tell him to his face when he gets here this conversation took place just before the table haute luncheon and immediately afterwards falfani went out in the direction of the railway station i followed keeping him in sight on the platform where by and by i saw him hat in hand bowing obsequiously before a passenger who alighted from the incoming train it would have been enough for me had i not already known lord blackadder by sight they walked back together to the hotel and so at a certain distance did i i was lounging about outside the house wondering what would happen next when a waiter came out to me bearing a card which he tendered bowing low more in deference to the card as i thought than to me earl of blackadder was the name engraved and written just below in pencil were the words would like to speak to colonel ansley at once well i've no objection i began stiffly i thought the summons a trifle too peremptory where is he the waiter pointed back to the hotel and i saw a white evil face glowering at me from a window on the ground floor of the hotel the very look on it stirred my bile 
it was an assumption of superiority of concentrated pride and exaggerated authority as though every one must yield to his lightest wish and humble himself in the dust before him i resented this and slipping the card carelessly into my pocket i nodded to the waiter who still stood awaiting my reply will monsieur come he asked no tell his lordship he will find me here if he wants me that will do and i waved him off soon afterwards lord blackadder came out mahomet came to the mountain i liked his face less than ever it wore an angry scowl now his dark eyes glittered balefully under the close-knit eyebrows his lips were drawn down and the curved nose was like the aggressive beak of a bird of prey colonel ansley i understand he said coldly contemptuously just lifting one finger towards the brim of his hat that is my name i responded without returning the salute i am lord blackadder you will have had my card i desired to address you somewhat more privately than this he looked round the open yard in front of the hotel may i hope you will accompany me to my rooms i have to speak to you on a matter that concerns you very closely that i cannot admit there can be nothing between you and me lord blackadder that concerns me very closely nothing that the whole world may not hear what i have to say might prove very unpleasant to you in the telling colonel ansley you would be well advised in agreeing that our interview should be private i can't see it and i must tell you plainly that i do not care one jot say what you please my lord and if you like as loud as you please only be quick about it with all my heart then if you will have it so i wish to tell you colonel ansley that you have taken a most unwarrantable liberty in mixing yourself up with my affairs i am not aware that i have done so you shall not trifle with me sir your conduct is inexcusable ungentlemanlike take care my lord i broke in hotly people who forget themselves so far as you have done must accept the responsibility of their own actions and i tell you here and now that i shall call you to strict account for yours the man was trying me hard but i still strove to keep my temper i don't care that for your opinion and i do not allow that you are a judge of what is gentlemanlike no one would do so who had read the public prints lately how dare you sir refer to my conduct or presume to criticise or question it he burst out ta 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 it is a real pleasure to me to tell you what i think of you lord blackadder and i am as ready to give you every satisfaction i shall not stint myself i insist upon satisfaction by all means it can be easily arranged we are within a short step of either france or italy and in both countries the old-fashioned plan of settling affairs of honour is still in force we shall find friendly seconds in the nearest garrison town and i shall be glad to cross the frontier with you whenever you please you talk like the hectoring swashbuckling bully that you are he cried angrily but looking rather uncomfortable i will swear the peace against you do so by all means it would be like you 
a man who would descend to espionage who could so cruelly misuse a lady is capable of anything of making assertions he cannot substantiate of threatening things he dare not do i have the clearest proof of what i say you have chosen to come into my life i should be extremely sorry to do so will you deny that you have sided with my enemies that you have joined and abetted them in a base plot to defraud and rob me of my my property of that which i most highly value and cherish of all my possessions i don't know what you are talking about lord blackadder but whatever your grievance i tell you candidly that i do not like your tone or your manner and i shall hold no further converse with you i turned my back on him and walked away stay stay you must and shall hear me out i've not done with you he came hurrying after me following close and raising his voice higher and higher your very presence here is an offence you have no right to be here at all do you think that you own all switzerland my noble earl i answered over my shoulder as i walked on it is not your ground to warn me off i tell you you shall not remain here to annoy and whack against me i forbid it and i will put a stop to it i give you plain warning you know you are talking nonsense i shall go my own road and defy you to do your worst here when i was on the threshold of the hotel i met falfani full as he came running out excitedly holding in his hand the tell-tale blue envelope which with his elated air indicated clearly that he had just received important news i paused for a moment hoping he might commit himself and was rewarded by hearing him say aloud it is from geneva my lord from ludovic tiller he began indiscreetly and was angrily silenced by my lord who called him a triple-dyed idiot and with a significant gesture towards me bade him walk away to some distance from the hotel the mischief was done however for i had of course heard enough to know that the other detective had given signs of life at last and that the report to judge by falfani's glee must be satisfactory the more pleased the other side the more reason to fear that matters were averse on ours End of section seven